When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman, and I am so excited. Here we are. It is Sunday whenever I am recording. This is the week. You know, the week starts on Sunday, and man, training camp starts in a quick six days. Players report in five. We are going to have nonstop podcasts very, very shortly. So the news cycle for training camp is absolutely unbelievable nowadays it's funny i always cancel my cable membership as soon as the super bowl ends i do most of my draft stuff online because i watch all my own content and then i always re-up this week so i re-upped this morning and i am crazy excited because it is nfl network training camp live whatever i can get my information on that's what i'm going to do so this is a great week my wife is already upset because man it's going to be just pure NFL football for a very long time starting this week. So a couple things that I want to talk to you about today. We are going to be going over the offensive position battles through training camp of the most significance. I uh, put a poll out there, which one you guys thought was the most important, and I'll talk through that. So we're going to go through position by position on offense. If you want to listen to the defensive battles, that's the previous episode. So pause this one, go listen to the defensive battles. It's the episode right before this, then come back and listen to the offensive ones. And after we finish the offensive battles, we are going to go through an injury update from minicamp and OTAs and all those things and what to expect from all of these players and what that's going to look like this week. That way, you shouldn't be surprised because, you know, this is our third year going in with, you know, this front office. And so we should be okay with how we see everything playing out because they've already kind of telegraphed exactly what they're going to do with players that have been injured during training camp. So we kind of know what to expect. So the the goal today is, with the injury segment, the second portion of this podcast, is to pump the brakes so that once you know you see on the bottom of the teleprompter on NFL or ESPN or wherever, so-and-so didn't practice today, that's okay. That is 100% okay. Now, there are going to be some ones that if they do show up, I'll show you which ones to be alarmed about. But let's jump into it without further, you know, holding back. And offensive position battles to watch. You know, I put up on Twitter a poll 
And I asked, I said, what is the most offensive, most important offensive battle that's important to you? Which one do you see as the most important? And you guys chose slot wide receiver. 44% of all votes went to slot wide receiver, 37% to the running back, 12% to the backup quarterback, and then just a measly 7% to the number two tight end, which is interesting. Now, that number two tight end spot is very, very important to me, but you guys didn't choose that one. So we're going to go over all of those and more today. So let's jump right in with what you guys chose was number one, the slot wide receiver position. Now, I think the three wide receivers that we are going to have on the field or the three wide receivers we'll have on the field at the same time, and this order is going to be Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, our second-round pick, and Marquise Goodwin. Now, the problem is that's going to be our between-the-20s three wide receiver sets, not on third down. If it's third down, those are not the wide receivers we're going to have out there. Probably going to sub out one of those three and put in a true slot guy and we don't know who that's going to be. In the past, it's been Trent Taylor, but it's not just up to him. You know, the back injury was huge last year. A lot of people are expecting a huge bounce back because of our new wide receiver coach that we have added in Wes Welker and how their games are so similar. And people are expecting Trent Taylor to take a huge step forward, which would be amazing. But it's not his job locked up. You know, Trent Taylor, Richie James, we go out in the third round and draft Jalen Hurd, who's a big slot wide receiver. He pre- he played predominantly out of his slot last year at Baylor, and I think that's where he's going to wind up. But due to injuries and lots of other things, he's got a little bit of time. And then Jordan Matthews, who's also played that big slot role. So we have the two small shifty guys in Trent Taylor and Richie James. And then we have our two kind of big mismatch slot guys and Jalen Hurd and Jordan Matthews and the NFL seems to be trending in this direction of getting away from the Julian Edelman type and going after these huge big slot guys you know you get Larry Fitzgerald did it the last few years under Bruce Arian system you have Juju Smith Schuster doing that in Pittsburgh everybody went with these small nickel slot corners to try to match up with the shifting smaller guys. And the NFL, usually what happens is, well, if they're going to do that, then we're going to do this. So eventually that spot's going to be Jalen Hurts, but I do not see him winning that role early on. Maybe by the bye week, you know, week four, week five, he'll start to get more snaps. But he's got a huge learning curve. Um, Coming from Tennessee as a running back, he's only played wide receiver one year in his entire career. So that's something to look forward to. So now here's the deal. Okay, if we're looking at the smaller guys, Trent Taylor and Richie James. Personally, whenever I first did my projected roster, I said Richie James probably, but that was before OTAs and minicamp. Trent Taylor looked great. He came out and, you know, he worked a lot with the ones. And I think if it's going to be third and short, that's the guy that I would want out there now. But I do not believe that there is a way with the depth that we have at this roster to keep both Trent Taylor and Richie James. It's one or the other. Who's going to win that? I think it's pretty close to a coin flip. I know a lot of people really believe Trent Taylor is going to be the guy, and I don't think they're wrong. But Richie James has a lot of potential to offer because of the return game, uh, whether that's punts or kickoff return. And he is much more explosive whenever it comes to speed and big play potential, which Kyle Shanahan seems to value very, very much. So this is what I'm going to be watching big time. I really do believe Trent Taylor's going to get the first team snaps right out of the gate. He's been there longer. Um, he's healthier now. So I think that's what's going to happen. But I am very curious what I'm going to be paying attention to day one and day two. Who gets the second team reps? 
out of the other three. You know, Richie James, Jalen Hurd, Jordan Matthews, who's getting those slot snaps whenever they go team? Who's getting those slot snaps whenever they go seven on seven? Because I think that's going to be indicative of it's going to let us know exactly what the coaches are wanting to do at that position. So if, for some reason, Hurd is already getting early Team 2 snaps, I think the writing's going to be on the wall that Richie James and possibly Richard Matthews could be gone. So uh, the first team snaps, Trent Taylor's going to get those. But who is going to be in contention for that second team and who's going to be in the lead? So one of the things that I'll update continuously on this podcast is going to be, hey, slot wide receivers going this way because it's one of the competitive and most depth that we have uh, on offense. But it's very telling to see what Kyle Shanahan wants to do long term there. So something to watch out there. Now the second most voted position was the running back position, and this is a starter one. Not like the slot one. I don't think any of those guys are going to be out there in two wide receiver sets. Sometimes they will, but uh, probably not early on, especially without injuries. But the running back position is a who, who knows. Probably the most competitive and most depth at the running back position in the entire NFL. Maybe you could argue Philadelphia is up there, but still, even them, I would say, they don't have three guys in competition for the starting number one running back spot. And perhaps we don't either, because I think it is going to be a revolving door, and I I think everybody's going to get their chances, and whoever catches fire, the hot hand, I think you just stay with that. Now, coming out of OTAs in minicamp, Tevin Coleman has to be in the lead. Because none of the other three guys, you know, uh, Matt Breida didn't get any snaps because of his injury. Jet McKinnon didn't get any team snaps because of his recovery from the ACL. Raheem Mostert didn't get any snaps because of where he was at. So Coleman has the most experience in Kyle Shanahan's system. He was with him in his two years in Atlanta. And he was also with this team all through OTAs and minicamp. So he has the experience um, which trumps even Matt Breida. Um, I love Matt Breida. He is my personal favorite. However, the way that I see this shaking out is, you know, I did my projections for the entire offense. And, you know, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, that's fine. But just to summarize the amount of touches and targets that I project between these three over the course of the season, I have Coleman getting the most touches out of everybody. I have him with 137 rush attempts and 31 pass targets. I have Matt Breida coming in second with 124 rush attempts and 27 targets. And then I have Jarek McKinnon with 82 rush attempts and 51 targets. So that kind of lets you just see the way in which I see these guys being used. And even more, if we want to get more specific than that, I think that they are going to have roles based on where we are on the field. So, for example, Jarek McKinnon is going to be the running back on passing down situations in between the 20s. So if we're not in goal line and we're not backed up, I think Jarek McKinnon's going to be out there predominantly, um, especially on third downs. Like Kyle Shanahan likes to keep the different positional groups and personnel groups out there for the entire drive, especially on first, second, and third down, because it doesn't allow the defense to sub. You can keep Jarek McKinnon out there in the middle of the field just fine. However, if it's going to be short, yardage situation or if it's going to be goal line situation i do not think we're going to see jet in there very often it's just not what he does i think brita and coleman that is going to be their 
roll. If it's short yardage, you got Breida and Coleman in there. If you're with, you know, in the red zone, those are the guys. And perhaps even Jalen Hurd. You know, he's probably the best short yardage running back that we have. He is a monster of a man. I'm curious to see how many touches he's going to get in that position. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, what about Kyle Juszczyk? Uh, where's he going to be in all this? Kyle Juszczyk is a decoy that forces the defense to stay in bigger personnel packages. He only had eight rushing attempts the last two years. Like, he's not a guy. Yes, he's in there at fullback. And, yes, he will get way more passing targets than he will rushing attempts. But the problem is, and why Kyle Shanahan loves the fullback so much is, when you keep him in there, you don't know if it's going to be an empty five-wide set because uh, Juice can split out just fine. And that's going to put two linebackers in a wide receiver covering basically split out fullbacks or wide receivers and defenses hate that so the big reason why use check snaps are always so high is because he just it's like a middle finger to the defensive coordinator from Kyle Shanahan so he's going to be out there but don't look for him to be too involved in the running game now 12 percent of you guys said that the third most important position was uh, backup quarterback and this one is going to be a lot of fun and I, I hate to say this you know I am in Team Mullins, big time. I think that if I was to put a percentage on who's going to win the backup job, I'd say 75% goes to Mullins, 25% goes to CJ. However, the problem is with the way that they practice. Nick Mullins sucks in practice. <laughs> CJ is great in practice. He's not good in games. So, you know, how much stock do you put in this? How much of this competition was won last year when Mullins came in and played great? for a backup quarterback and again you know it's it's a little bit of a I don't want to say black eye but it looks bad on the front office when you spend a third round pick on a quarterback and then they get beat out by an undrafted free agent um, that doesn't look good but hopefully you know the, the law of sunken costs we are not buying into that this front office anyway we just put the best player out there now in the offseason and during minicamp with Jimmy Garoppolo hurt, he only took one snap with team the entire minicamp and offseason, and that was kind of a mistake, and they got him out there right away. But they alternated days between Mullins and CJ. So I think that's going to continue as far as the backup job goes, and the goal would be it stays that way until the preseason games start to happen. Uh, you know, I, I doubt that Jimmy Garoppolo – gets any snaps in the first preseason game maybe a few in the second plays a quarter in the third and that's it I in my opinion that's what I would do and what I would do is you want Nick Mullins to ball out so there's a couple options here personally I want to keep Mullins as our backup however if there is a you know signature quarterback in the NFL that goes down in the preseason and is out for the season that trade market, Nick Mullins is at the top of the list on every single NFL team for doomsday scenario. We have to get a quarterback in here. You know, I think that you could pull a fourth, something like, you know, you get a fourth round pick, you give up Nick Mullins in a seventh or Nick Mullins in a sixth. That's a possibility. And if you do that trade, you recoup a draft pick and then you keep CJ as your backup. That's a strong possibility that we could see happen. However, again, I would prefer to keep Mullins as my backup and just release CJ. CJ will get picked up as a third quarterback somewhere else. But um, we do not need to carry three QBs just because of where we are. And, and CJ's not practice squad eligible because of all the time that he has had. So that's kind of where we're at with that. Now let's jump into the number two tight end spot. 
because this is going to be a very interesting battle. You know, uh, it's three guys. Garrett Selleck has been that guy for a long time. Career Niner. Absolutely love this guy. Kind of the epitome of what it means to be faithful to a franchise and to stick it out and do all the dirty work. He's great. However, last year he was awful. Uh, then you compound that with age, getting older, bad year. He's still not cleared with his back and concussion issue. Now, uh, this is interesting in and of itself because, it, you know, early on in the offseason, I was like, whoa, if his concussion is still an issue, he needs to be done with the NFL. He hasn't played a game in six months. Well, the, the way that the NFL injury protocol works is until you're cleared of all injuries, you can't be cleared of any. So it's really his back issue. But here's the deal with Selleck. We don't really need to get him snaps. We know exactly who he is and what he offers. We have so much film on him. Everybody knows. So because of his injury, you want to take it super slow with him and make sure he is 100% back if he comes back at all. And this gives you chance to look at the other two guys. The other two guys, Caden Smith, who we drafted out of Stanford this year, and Levine Toilolu, who was with, again, we see this theme so much with Kyle Shanahan. He wants people that he know, knows he works with. He was with, the, with him in Atlanta, so he knows the system. So if we look at these two, Smith is as close to a lock on this roster as any of these guys are. But the question is, can he take over the number two spot for week one? Or is he going to be the kind of tight end number three and special teams guy? Uh, or... Does Shanahan go with the guy he knows the most in Toilolu out of Atlanta? He knows the system. He's a bigger guy. He blocks fairly well. He's a great red zone threat, which is huge for this offense because, again, if you want to knock Kyle Shanahan in any way, it's just red zone efficiency, and that's really it. His offense has been stellar despite injuries across the board. You know, we've had a top 15 offense since he's got here as far as yards and all those first downs. Uh, offense, you know, um, efficiency, all those things, all those metrics, just not touchdowns. Uh, field goals, which we do way too damn much, but if we can improve in one area on this team on the offensive side, it's got to be red zone efficiency, scoring touchdowns, not field goals. And I think that Caden Smith and Levine Tololo, whoever can prove during training camp that you're going to cash it in when we call you in the red zone or in short yardage situation, I think that's who's going to win it. Um, personally, I think Caden Smith's going to win this job. He was one of my favorite players that I have rated super high on where we drafted him. Um, I had a third round grade on him. We got him several rounds later. So I, I love these guys. But if both of these younger guys can prove that they can do the job and it's neck and neck, I think Selleck's going to be done. Uh, I think we'd give him the option. We can cut you or you can retire. Um, We'll see what happens there. Now, another tight end that's going to be interesting is Roz Dwelly, um, who I think is a practice squad candidate if he clears through the waiver system. I don't think that he has a shot in unseating any one of the other three, but he is a guy that we will probably keep around just because he's such a good blocker, and he does provide a lot of just extra benefit there. Now, the last offensive position I want to talk about before we get into special teams and injuries is the swing offensive tackle. Our offensive tackles are set, and I would argue top three in the NFL. Uh, Staley is unbelievable. He continues to just perform at such a high level, the number one rated run blocker in the entire NFL for all offensive linemen. And Mike McGlinchey, you know, we redraft 
last year's draft right now, I think McGlinchey's going to be a top six pick. I, I think he outperformed his number nine draft stock, and um, I, I, he's unbelievable. So we are set there. Now the problem is, what do we do behind them? You know, we go out and we get Justin School in the draft, and we still have Sean Coleman, who we traded for to the Browns last year, who was inactive. He didn't really get a lot of work. But we have these two guys that are fighting for that swing tackle. Should be school's job to lose. Um, we have seen what Coleman can do, but we'll just have to wait and see. But make, understand this. If either one of our tackles goes down, we don't have depth there. We don't have good depth there. Uh, this season's going to be rough. There's going to be injuries with every NFL team. However, one of the positions that we are could not afford to lose is one of our offensive tackles. Luckily for us, both of those guys have played almost every single game since they have started playing football. Two of the most durable tackles. If you go to McGlinchey, I know he's only played one year. He has never missed a game going all the way back to Pop Warner. So uh, very, very dependable guys. Very excited about that. And let's move on to special teams because our returner positions, they're going to be interesting. Kyle Shanahan, again, you know, I spoke about this earlier. He values guys that can create big plays on their own. And he has valued, you know, if you look at the drafts that we've done, Dante Pettis, all-time leading punt returner for touchdowns in college football history. Debo Samuel, he scored touchdowns six different ways in his career. Um, Trent Taylor, uh, absolutely incredible punt returner at Louisiana Tech. Richie James, same thing. DJ Reed. Same thing. He values these guys that can create on their own. Mostert, Brita, uh, Marquise Goodwin, fastest player in the NFL probably. All these different guys that are just so explosive. Now the question is, at punt returner, what do you do? Dante Pettis is our number one wide receiver. You could say, you know, um, our tight end, Greg Kittle's really our number one guy. He's going to lead in targets and yards and all those things. But your number one outside wide receiver is Dante Pettis. Do you risk putting him at punt returner, which is, you know, a high contact position. You're going to get hit. You're going to take some violence there. What do we do there? I personally wouldn't mind Dante Pettis getting some kicks. And we saw this some last year whenever everybody was healthy. And what they do is Pettis is our long punt returner. And what I mean by that is he is the guy that is going to be fielding punts whenever there's a chance for a return. Trent Taylor or Richie James, whoever makes the roster out of those two, is going to be our safe punt returner. So if they're punting from like the 40 yards and end, and there's going to be a chance of a fair catch or backed up against the goal line, keep Dante Pettis out of there. Put Trent Taylor or Richie James back there and allow them to be the safe punt returner. But if our defense holds a team and they're punting within their own 20 and we're going to have a lot of field to make a big play – I don't mind Dante Pettis being out there for that because he's just so good in open field uh, situations. So hopefully that's what we will see. DJ Reed, as I said, is also a possibility. Um, it, it's very interesting just on – shoot, what, what day was that? On the 19th, uh, just a few days ago, DJ Reed tweeted out saying, are there any high school punters in the L.A. area that are looking to get some extra work in? Because it seems like – he is going to be competing for that spot. DJ Reed is a lock on this roster. I know we talked about him on the defensive side. His potential is high. However, he is not going to be a defensive starter. He's going to probably back up one of the safety positions and the slot corner. 
But with somebody that's that talented, you've got to find ways to get them on the field. And for somebody that's not offense or defensive starter, if you're going to be rostered, you've got to contribute on special teams. So DJ Reed is a guy that it seems like they told him, hey, you're going to be fighting for a punt returner spot. So he's going to be out there. Curious to see who's going to win that. We have some of the best punt returners in the entire NFL. Yes, none of them have done it at the level uh, successfully with where we are, but it doesn't matter. Um, This is one of the things that translates from college game to NFL game. And if we stay with kick returner, DJ Reed's going to be one of the two back there no matter what. Now, the other spot is going to be interesting because I think they want it to be Richie James, but as we said before, Richie James is not a lock on this roster. Trent Taylor or Richie James will be there. So um, Trent Taylor will help out at punts or Richie James will help out on kick returns. That That's just what it's going to be, but if for some reason he doesn't, there's lots of guys that we could put back there. Mostert, super quick, super fast. Matt Breida, um, if he's going to be active, uh, as they're going to probably rotate, as Matt Mayoko said, that running back position. If you do start three running backs and juice on your active roster, Matt Breida is a guy that will be back there returning kicks. You know, super, super fast. Uh, he, It's funny. We have two running backs. I don't care about Madden ratings too much, but it's interesting. We have two running backs that are the fastest in the NFL, and that is Matt Breida and um, Tevin Coleman. So we have two of the fastest rated speed guys on Madden take that for what you want whatever Debo Samuel could be back there and Marquise Goodwin as well so speed big play guys they are out there now before I jump into our injury update and what to expect I do want to say our next episode is going to be a question satchel I love these these are my favorite episodes that we do so if you have any questions about the 49ers and training camp dates times whatever um Go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman and just say, hey, uh, tag it question satchel, which is the greatest name ever for a Q&A, I think, or a mailbag episode. Um, so let me know what you think. One of my favorite questions, we've got about four or five that have already come through, is what does a player have to do to get into Kyle Shanahan's doghouse? And so i really excited about that. Went back and watched some film, brought up some Carlos Hyde things because I think he was one of the first players to do that. And we're going to talk about that. But I need some more questions. So hit me up on at JL underscore Chapman or you can email me 49ersRushPodcast at gmail.com. So again, any way that you want to get your questions into, I'd really appreciate it. So again, Twitter at JL underscore Chapman or just email me 49ersRushPodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's jump in through injuries and draft picks because we've got some issues. Right off the bat, you know, our front office has been very positive. They're a very positive group that always says, oh, they're going to be ready by training camp. Oh, they're going to be ready by training camp. Oh, they're going to be ready by training camp. That's not the situation. It never is. You always want your coaches to support you in front of the press, and that is a great thing from a team-building perspective. You can't go out there and say, yeah, he's probably not going to be ready and, you know, Bring that negativity around somebody. However, that's going to be the case. So everybody's going to be eased back into training camp practices, especially if they had an injury designation during minicamp and or OTAs. So Jimmy Garoppolo, most important player to our franchise, he took one uh, one team snap in minicamp. My guess is he will be eased in day two and day three. Day one, 
Um, you know, he's just going to go through the drills day two. He'll do seven on seven day three. I look for him to start taking team reps there. So do not flip out whenever you see it saying Jimmy Garoppolo still not ready. You've got to be smart with these things. Um, the first day and the second day of training camp is really the first and second day of mini camp and OTAs. You have to start from square one and you got to build up. Uh, Kyle Shanahan even, even said this. You can't skip those installation building block days everybody has to be there no matter how long you've been with the franchise so look for him to be kind of slowly phased in but i'll tell you this right now jimmy garoppolo's knee is fine it's not even his plant leg it's it's he's gonna be just fine don't worry about it now nick bosa couple issues here um he tightened up his hamstring and otas but the bigger problem is he is still not signed um there are six players that were drafted out of 250 plus guys that have not signed the 49ers have two of the six now this is problematic for a few reasons but more importantly it has to do with their sports agency caa you know tom condon if you follow the business side of sports that's their mo they had six players drafted um in the first round four of those guys are still holding out and for people who are like, man, we shouldn't draft Nick Bosa. I told you to draft Quentin Williams. Well, guess what? Quentin Williams is actually holding out as well. Daniel Jones still holding out, and so is Brian Burns. All of those guys are represented by CAA. Uh, Quentin Williams is not. He's with um, Little Wayne's uh, whatever sports agency. But uh, Debo Samuel is the one that's probably most problematic because Bosa – He's going to be slowly brought in. Coming off of his core injury, then he tightened up his hamstring. Don't repeat the mistake. Ease him in and allow him to get comfortable. Defensive end is not one of those spots that really needs a whole bunch of snaps to sync up. Wide receiver is. If Debo Samuel's not signed, uh, that's going to be problematic, especially for somebody that we consider our number two wide receiver from the start. So we need to have him out there getting snaps day one. Very, very important. So um, I would expect Bosa to be a full uh, go once we get to day three if he's signed on the start. If he misses a day or two, you just got to push that back about three days. So if he doesn't sign till day two or three, well, it isn't the end of the world, but then you're pushing that back an extra three days. So pump the brakes. Don't give up on a prospect uh, just because he hasn't signed or he's not practicing in the first couple of days. Running backs, man, lots of injuries with Breida, McKinnon, and Mostert. None have taken snaps at all. So positional dra uh, drills day one, then slow phase them in. Um, again, Tevin Coleman is going to be the only clear starter out there for the first couple of days. And then it's going to be curious to see how they all get brought back in, Breida, McKinnon, and Mostert. But uh, no cause for alarm there, even if they're not practicing that first week. Running backs, when they're healthy, you just run the ball. Again, they're going to be just fine. Jimmy Ward's going to be an interesting one. He will not be ready for a while. I know there's been videos out there um, of his rehab process, but the problem is with the collarbone, it just takes time. And if you rush that back during contact, man, one hit and it's done. So uh, he might be fine for positional drills. He'll probably dress. He's going to be no contact probably until week three of the preseason. You know, I've talked about this before. There's no need to rush him back. We know who he is. We need to see what's happened behind him. He's just going to be a fail-safe across basically our entire secondary. Um, so, again, week three of the preseason, he's not going to be cleared for contact for 
quite a while. So, and for those of you that are saying cut him, you can't cut Jimmy Ward. Um, and I, I wish you could have. I wish you wouldn't have signed him, period. But he signed a one-year deal, and you would lose out on over $3 million if you cut him now. You'd only say you'd save less than a million dollars by cutting him. He, we need the depth in the secondary. Yes, I understand he's not going to be winning us games. But uh, with that one-year deal, you can't cut him. Uh, it's just a total financial loss. It doesn't help us at all. Debo, I talked about, he would be full go day one. Um, he just had a minor hip slash you know, hamstring issue. He would be full go day one. I, I truly believe that. It just depends on if he signs. And Garrick Selleck, I've talked about him already. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Next up this week, we do have our Q&A. So again, get those questions in on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman or email me. 49ers Rush Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the listen. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. That helps us out the most. Oh, man. We are so close. Stay strong, faithful. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.